Hi, and welcome to the Tales from the Trail podcast. In this episode, we recorded a question and answer session at the Discovery ID Camp, where the student athletes were given the forum to ask five college coaches their questions about the recruiting process in college soccer. Christopher Newport University, the College of William and Mary, Old Dominion University, Virginia Wesleyan University, and Hampton Sydney College were in attendance. This is a highly valuable session and will help the listener better understand how to navigate becoming a college athlete. I encourage you to give it a listen, and if you have further questions, please send them to me at scott.cooper at matchplayrecruit.com. And I'll ask your questions in my next podcast with coaches. .com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast, so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. Brendan Cook, I'm the assistant at Virginia Wesleyan University. Owen Burnett, the director of ops for Virginia Tech on Soccer. Andrew Longhurst, assistant at Amy City College. We got a couple of my players right here. We got Colin Skirrett and Caleb Lewis. Both are freshmen here at CNU, uh, local kids that played at Virginia Rain. And they give you a kind of a player's perspective. And I'm sure their answers will be nice and neat since their coaches are right in front of them. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we just opened this up to a Q&A. We're not going to like give you our spiel or anything like that. We want to let you guys ask us the, the things that are on your mind and we can dive into it. You have Division One, Division Three, private school, public school. You have a lot of... Uh, Variety here. We have players. We have goalie coach. We have assistant coach. We have head coaches. So uh, a lot of variety here. Plenty of options for you to ask some great questions. And uh, I'll actually start the Q and A off. Uh, this is also Ryan Haggerty, your assistant coach here at CNU. Uh, first question. This is my way of kicking off all of these things. How many of you guys have had the conversation with your family on how you're going to pay for college? Okay, that's less than half of you. What's the problem there? What do you guys think of that? When do you think, have you had it? Yeah. Who, who didn't have their hand up? Most of you didn't, who didn't have their hand up over here? Have you had it? Okay, why not? I don't know. It's not important to you? You just loaded? Yeah, you know what's going on? You got some Bitcoin thing I need to know about? What's going on? Okay, so maybe today you get home and you're like, how are we paying for school? And why, why is that so critical? I mean, what if, what if mom and dad say, well, you tell me how you're paying for school. Well, that changes your, your path, right? Or what if you've got some awesome setup that the family's been passing down for generations and you go to a lot of different places. Right? So you need to know the answer. You don't want to be surprised in March of your senior year and you found your dream school and you realize you can't afford to go there. Okay, so just be prepared for it. So that's your first question. So who's got the next one? Who'd like to kick us off? There we go. Uh, how do you guys support your athletes academically? Like if they miss a day for... Sure, you'll get probably most of the same answers across here. Uh, all of the schools, I'll, I'll speak for senior. We have uh, an academic support uh, section of our department and they work with just student athletes and they call them coaches, academic support coaches and they'll work directly with our students and they'll know your uh, you know, they'll know your schedule, they'll know you when you have a big test, a big paper, and three away games in a week or something crazy. Uh, you'll have study hall, you'll have mentor meetings, and you have to GPA out of everything. You have to 
prove you're a good college student after your first semester or further if you need more time to be able to get out of that stuff. And it just becomes optional. We have great tutors here and great support. And you'll get similar answers. Does anybody have anything different than that? Yeah, we have, uh, in addition to what Justin mentioned, we also have an academic orientation program that's uh, a year-long thing. The, the primary focus is on the first semester. And so in addition to your normal study hall and tutoring and that kind of thing, there are also <laughs> guest speakers and forums and seminars um, that help you to become the best student that you're capable of becoming by, by helping to expand your skill set. Parents are encouraged as well. You guys usually ask the best questions in these meetings. Um, like, does anything about the recruiting process like change if you've already been accepted to a college? What do you mean, change? I don't know. Well, it definitely <laughs> makes it easier for us to say, "Oh, I think I can get them in." You know, you're already in. That definitely helps. Uh, it definitely helps if you're like, "Look, you're my number one. I'm already into the school. I'm coming to William and Mary no matter what." I mean you're at least bare minimum going to get us, our eyes are going to be on you, you know? I mean, we've had kids tell us that coming into this event. I mean, well, we have to make sure we do our homework on him. Um, I would say probably that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple of distinctions there. One is, for example, we have ED1, which is a binding agreement. If somebody applies ED1, which means that they want to be at William & Mary, then we're certainly going to do everything we can to try to assess their ability as a soccer player as well. Um, now we may decide ultimately that that's not the right fit, but we're gonna definitely try to figure out if, if it is the right fit because we love having guys, you know, that's half the battle for us, right? We don't have to recruit you and convince you that William & Mary is a great place, for example. We just have to determine if the soccer piece is a good fit. So he's asking, what's the difference between off-season and Division One and Division Three? Um, I'll give you kind of two answers to that. I'll, I'll load it up. The falls are pretty much identical. Uh, you'll check it a couple days before we do. Their final four is a week after ours. So it's almost identical. Same amount of games. You have a 20 cap as well. Uh, and same amount of rules on how much you could do in a week. So our, our falls are very similar. And our springs, I'll let... Chris speak on behalf of the Division I rules. Uh, for Division Three, we're allowed 24 days as a team, plus one day to play games. And so this is actually new for Division Three. It used to be 15, now it's 24. We're starting off, this is the, the first spring we could do that. And we'll kick off early February, mid-February, get a few weeks in, go to spring break, come back for uh, four or five weeks, and we get to play our one game of the year. We actually will play William & Mary. Um, so that's normal, what our seasons that are counting look like uh, and then your off seasons you're going to get different answers from different programs you're going to they're going to talk about weightlifting different physical fitness requirements encouraging you to play in MPSL or whatever your local thing is or helping you find a club team over the summer you'll get different answers from different programs it's a good question to ask them specifically uh, but Chris will give you the details on division one their hourly rules in the spring um, the formula at Division One is, is a little bit different, it, and it honestly, it, it's a little bit silly, but we have a certain number of days throughout the year that we can use. We use 
a larger chunk of those in the fall, and then we've got the remaining days to use in the spring. It, it's a similar timeline to what Justin just described as the new legislation for Division Three. We will begin and our uh, in-portion season, which means, or our in-season portion, excuse me, of the spring, which means 20 hours a week maximum in soccer-related activities. And that's the rule for, for all Division One in, in any sport. Um, and that'll be basically from mid-February through the end of April. So, you know, probably about 10 weeks is our spring season. The, the primary difference between Division One and Division Three in the spring now is that we get five days to compete against outside competition as opposed to, to their rules. So that's the, the main difference. Uh, that, that you might get different answers from different programs. I, I like the email route until like a further relationship is there. I saw you play, we like you, we start communicating on the phone or Zoom or something. And then like I just texted a couple kids that were in on already and kind of getting updates on them. So it'll gradually move into more of a direct line of communication, something that'll be a little quicker than an email. But in the beginning, I, I prefer emails, you know, kind of let me know. We had the big tournament last weekend and or two weekends ago, like, hey, I'm going to be playing that event. Here's my schedule. Cool. I've got your details and you know, we'll come watch you play. And then from there, it'll, the communication might change to more of a direct line. But be, be persistent and be consistent. So anytime you have new information, an upcoming tournament, a game that might be in our area, um, you know, an end to your semester, for example, academically, Reach out. I mean, every one of these guys will tell you, like, the volume, you'd be really surprised at the volume of email that we get. It's really significant. I mean, we spend a significant amount of time every day just trying to make sure that email doesn't, you know, pile up in our inbox. Um, the other thing is, it, if, I'm, if I go into my junk folder, I'll find plenty of recruiting emails that just didn't get to me for whatever, for whatever reason or our server maybe flagged them and sent them to my junk and you know you you don't know that for sure so be persistent don't assume that a, a non-response one time is a lack of interest um, and you know the more that your name pops up without being at, you know you know there's a, a balance there a fine line the more your your name pops up with relevant information the more likely it is that we're going to make an effort to see you because that does show a genuine interest in our school. It's very easy these days to send out mass communications um, and we may not even recognize it as a mass communication. The more that you show that you're genuinely interested by being persistent, the more likely it is that when we go to a big tournament, for example, and we've got to make decisions about who we're going to go see, you're going to be one of those guys that we go see because you've shown some, some genuine interest. Yes, have anything else? No. no. I would just say the more information, the better. Like they said, film's another thing um, that's great. Like Chris said, yes, it's a lot of information, but the more we can actually see you, um, the better. Just like one of the earlier questions was, what happens once I get accepted into it? So if you have a great GPA, if you're adding great things off of multi-sports, th those type of things are gonna add up. And if you're obviously paying more and more attention to our university or coming to an ID camp, that really shows 
you know, an interest and um, you can obviously take that step further after you get to see a player, but every bit of relevant information and the more we see a name, I think, is the better, like they're saying. Yeah, well, what are the main things that a high school junior should be doing right now to uh, get their name out there and communicate with coaches and gain visibility in the process? You asked uh, what's, what are the main things a high school junior should yeah. be doing right now in their process? Yeah. Sure, I mean, <laughs> I, I always encourage kids that you need to have your list before you start reaching out. And uh, I, I say that because so many kids have such a wide array. I mean, Coach was just talking about specific emails. I can't tell you how many times I get a, hey, Coach, and you can see it's a blind copy, and you, know, you sent it to 100 schools, and I can't delete that email fast enough. So what I really like to see is a kid that's already vetted this process. I love seeing you, William & Mary, Virginia Wild. Like, I love these schools. You're, you're one of my top choices for these reasons. Now I know that it's time. So hopefully you've already gone past that spot and you've got your list of schools that meet the price criteria, the distance, the size, the academic, all the criteria that you have control over, not the soccer side, put that on the side. Once you've gone through that entire process, now it's time for you to move into emailing Coach Norris, email myself, email these guys so you can get in front of us as soon as you can. I mean, that's the, the number one thing, just simple emailing that says, I love William and Mary. I've got the 4.2. I want to study this. You guys have a great program. I'm going to be at what's the next showcase? Arlington in a couple weeks. I'd love for you to come watch me play. And uh, I think that right now we're all starting to build our junior list. Um, that's what I'm doing mostly with the juniors today. Is I've, I've already got a few, and I'm now building onto that list. And so it's time to get onto those lists, and then we need to see you again and again so we can. You know, see what your consistency is like and seeing uh, you know, what you're like in different situations. Uh, so I think you're a junior now. I'm assuming that's why you're asking, right? So I think you're doing a good job. You're here. I'm assuming it's not just because you like seeing you. You like some of the other schools that are here. That's great. You know, when it comes to ID camps, find ones that you can really pick. Oh, I like a bunch of these schools. They're all going to be here. This gives me a good opportunity to be seen. And, and, uh, but once again, I wouldn't do anything until I've been the whole process myself and I have my strong list that I'm going to kind of no matter what, whether soccer works or not, these are my schools. That's, uh, that's the route I would go if you're, you know, my kid brother or something. That'd be the route I would tell you to do. Okay, anything to, anybody got anything on? We got one here, then Um I just wanted to re, like, restate, you said you wanted us to like email the schools that we want to go to are like academic GPA and like personal reasons why you want to go to that school. That would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just the personal touch is critical for us. And it's just like if I was reaching out, like a lot of you got emails from me and it said, hey, and I, I do the form letter. I'm not going to write 700 individual emails out of all the kids that have written me. I wrote a form letter for all of you guys and it just says, hey, in your name. I mean, it's pretty easy to read that, oh, this is a form letter, but it has the details for the camp and you can choose to come or not. That's not a personal touch, but after I see you and I like you and I'm like, man, I love the way you did this touch. I can see you fit in the system and it's personal to you that you're like, oh man, like that's attractive to you, right? Well, it's the same thing the other way around. When you know stuff about our school, you talk about, like I saw you play online or I went to this game and I liked this, you know, specific to our program or our school, that means you're doing your homework on us and we're gonna give that more attention than an email that doesn't include those things. Even like Cheese was saying, though, obviously there's different reasons, you know, majors and things that are going to attract you to school and including those things. But 
I mean, as personalized as it can get, you can even, um, you know, talk about the game that you watched of William and Mary versus VCU, the game you watched of CNU versus Virginia Wesleyan. And once you get to that point as a junior or senior, and we really know that you're not just interested in the school or could qualify to get into the school, but are interested in the soccer and maybe how the soccer plays, that, I mean, that's even more personalized that you're really doing your homework to a specific university type of thing. So I think that is a step further, if that makes sense. Are you still able to play soccer, um, college soccer if you choose to continue in Collegeville? The, the are you able? Yeah, are you able to still play? Yeah, play college soccer if you choose to go play. So you're talking about like going to community college and then transferring into yeah. a four-year school? Sure, absolutely. And how does that process like, look like? Are you guys, do you guys still come to IP camps? Do you recruit um, like games or? Yeah, so there's, there's a couple different ways to do that. Um, you can go to a junior college and actually play. You know, a lot of, there's a lot of really good junior college programs out there. Um, they are two-year programs. Hopefully you earn your associate's degree and then you have an opportunity to move on to a four-year university, pursue a bachelor's, and hopefully continue to play. Um, you can also go to a two-year college and not play. You can go and either not play or you can go to a two-year school that doesn't, doesn't offer a program. Um, and you retain eligibility as long, as long as you're not enrolled in a full-time course of study, then you retain all of your eligibility. You, you could, you know, your first year, even if you're enrolled full-time, could be considered a, a redshirt year anyway. And so that wouldn't really impact you too much. Um, it's once you get past the first year in residency, uh, if you're taking a full-time load, then it'll start, your clock will start and you'll, you won't maybe get all four years to play. But yeah, you can definitely do that. And that's becoming more and more popular for players to go to junior college and then transition to a four-year university. There's different reasons uh, to do that too. I mean, there's kids that are young. Like I graduated high school, I was 17 still. And uh, it would have been great for me to kind of gap year it. I can still play U18 soccer for my club team and kind of reset my recruiting cycle. I've seen a lot of kids do that now, especially with the the COVID craziness and all the eligibility things that have happened the last few years. And then we've also had kids that they wanted to come, they committed to us, they're super excited, and I can't get them into the school. And so they chose to go to the community college, get their grades up, show that they can be a good student, and then they can show up in January or the next calendar year. So uh, there's multiple reasons to do that besides just simply, I didn't get a spot, I'm just gonna go to the community college. Sure. Uh, I got a question for the players. Uh, what was the most surprising Thing, making the change from playing in like high schools and going to college? Um, for me, I would say the biggest change is just like the speed of play and just the, just the players actually wanting to like win and like the speed of play and like aggression and everything was just a big step up, something you definitely have to get used to. I would say like what you said about winning, like you play for your club and like you go out and if you lose a game, it's all right. Like we play to win every game. Like that mentality is definitely different from a club. It's kind of more high school, but on a whole other level. They're both good examples of timeline. Uh, they're both very good players that can play at our level. They're going to have nice careers. But, you know, Caleb, you're talking about how the speed of play, you can tell like Okay, this was a lot for him in the beginning, but by the end, people were really excited. Man, this kid's gonna be really good for us. And Colin's timeline was a little quicker. 
you know, he got himself some starting minutes early on in his career. And uh, so it just shows that they're both great players. They're both going to have great careers. But to get into college, adjust to the speed of play, I mean, some of them have men on their team, like 24-year-old guys with beards. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's a whole different, you know, like, I was 17 my freshman year. It's a, that's a big gap. And so a lot of kids, they need that time. They need that maturity. Uh, it's funny, when we had that COVID year, we didn't play in the fall. And all of my guys were able to go through a workout, go through our dining hall program, you know, do the soccer side of things with the weightlifting and everything. And then I got them as kind of freshmen in the spring. It was a whole different ball game. They weren't babies anymore. They were, they kind of went through a six month program of turning into men. I mean, all of my guys look completely different in the spring semester. And so if you add that into a 17, 18 year old kid playing against guys that are three, four years involved in those, that pattern, I mean, that is a, that is a big ask. I mean, they're checking in and I'm asking them to win games before they take a test. It's a big ask for a freshman. And that's, that's at the division three level. I can't imagine it's any easier at the next level. This year or previous years? Because this year, it's <laughs> we were wide. I have zero commitments for this year. It's it's an interesting season. It's like the last of the COVID years, and so it's been interesting. But historically, we're wrapping up soon. Uh, you know, right around the holiday, we're wrapping up for that class. I say wrapping up the the meat of it. If I fall in love with the kid in January or in March, I'll give that kid a spot too. So, so you Uh, no, I want it to be earlier than that for sure. Uh, you know, usually, usually a junior, like I, let's say I identify someone this weekend and I really like them, we'll start the process next week. And then um, if it's a really good relationship or maybe I've already seen the kid before, I might be starting to bring him on campus and doing some visits and starting to be a little more direct with my recruiting. Um, sometimes it's, look, I really like you. I need to see you with your team now. Let's get to a showcase coming up. I've only seen you the one time. Uh, as far as like offers and when to get them, they could come now for a junior. I mean, I've offered juniors, you know, before around this time. Some of our best players we offered around the holidays their junior year. Um, I mean, timeline's similar for you guys. Yeah, I mean, people ask like, when when do you recruit? What time of year are you recruiting? And it's like, yes. we're always recruiting for three different classes. I mean, so if we take this exact moment in time. Um, we have three commitments for the 24 class, and we have three foreseeable spots that we're trying to fill. Um, if it's 2025, so high school juniors, we have a preliminary list that, uh, of guys that we happen to see. A lot of times for us, CNU will be similar as a state school. We will have seen all of the Virginia teams, or most of them, play by the time they hit their junior year. Um, June 15th after your sophomore year is a significant date for us because we can contact rising juniors. And so at that time, we have a list of guys that we want to contact. We, we have to, it kind of goes a little bit quiet during our fall season because we're so busy. And then as soon as our fall stops, all of these you know youth showcases happen, ID camps happen, and we are continuing to build relationships with those juniors. We're adding to that list, we're subtracting from that list with an idea that in the spring we'll start to have guys on campus um, 
in numbers for visits, whether it's unofficial or official. And we'll probably have some commitments from juniors by the end of, I would say, April or May for some of the higher profile juniors on our list. But that process of, of recruiting that 2025 class could go up until the spring of their senior year, um, depending on how things go for us. And, you know, Justin mentioned COVID and the idea of the transfer portal and some of the easing of those restrictions. So now you, you kind of throw in the idea of at the end of the college season, a bunch of kids flood the transfer portal and we have to kind of sort through all of that at that same time. And then there's sophomores who were, were literally just trying to make some initial evaluations and add guys to our list that we think are developing at a rate that might make sense down the road for us to, to pursue. So yeah, I hope that helps. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy, but you know. Yeah. We got a few more minutes and two or three questions. Um, your last fall incoming class, can you just comment on how many kids came out of the portal versus how many came in as freshmen? Sure. Um, who was transferred from your class this class? Just, uh, we didn't get a transfer this year. No, two years ago, I had three though. Um, right now I'm talking to one. Uh, we brought in, 11 true freshmen. We lost a big class the year before. We were in a big class this year. Lost them already, and we're looking to bring in, you know, 10, 9, 10. But like right now, I checked the portal yesterday, and it's now over 2,000 for men's soccer players alone. It'll, it'll double, I'm sure, before the year's over. Because most, a lot of kids will jump into the spring. I'm gonna give it the spring semester, and then. When that season comes and goes as well, you'll see another huge uptick in people in the portal. We brought in uh, 12 new players this past fall, and three were graduate transfers. So either one or two year guys. The other nine were true freshmen. Did you guys get? Yeah, we had uh, one transfer this year, and we brought in 12 true freshmen. Uh, for us, Tech, we have two transfers coming in in January. Um, so since the season ended, uh, we had two transfers coming in for January, um, and we're still monitoring the portal as, as it goes. Um, but yeah, we're looking to bring in true freshmen on top of that. Same, and kind of going back to the community college uh, question, we've had two or three guys come in from community college. So not like true transfers, but guys who finished up or did a year there and then came to us. Um, but in this last class, I think we only had one uh, transfer. He was from a community college. Anybody else? Oh. Is there a relationship between assistant coaches and head coaches kind of like they can relay information about a player if they email them to the assistant coach? And do they like relay information to you? Yeah, yeah I mean there's no way it's a one-man job with the amount of volume we have. I mean, we'll go down to a tournament. Sometimes I'll have four coaches at a tournament just to make sure we spread ourselves. I went down to, to South Carolina, and we had three coaches, and there's 18 fields, good games going on with all of them, and we tried to see as much as we could. And, you know, it's, it's really simple. We have a big chat, and it's like, I like this kid on this team, and we do a little feedback. Got to get over here and watch this game right away. Um, and I have a couple guys that are they're doing most of the talking, too, some of our top kids. You know, I just, uh, they don't have to just talk to me. You know, I, you know, Travis loves a kid or Hags or, you know, Hags just worked an event on Thursday night 
and we talk directly. He's got a few kids that he talked to directly from that that he's now gonna start a relationship with. It's definitely, if you're doing it by yourself, you're gonna miss some stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, don't assume that just because an assistant coach is the one talking to you that you aren't a priority. It, like Justin said, for us it's oftentimes just a division of labor, and it may be based on who saw the individual player initially, you know, and who had, who had the first contact with that player. I've heard of schools saying, look, you got the state of Virginia. I'll do, the, like, they'll section off the area. And so, you know, just, I would ask, you know, make sure you're, like, getting the, the honest answers there. But it definitely, it, it could be anybody talking to you that goes straight to the head coach to put two questions left. So when you guys go to a showcase, do you approach a kid who hasn't communicated with you first ever, or do you only talk to kids who yeah, I mean, I'll take that. There are very few, at any particular showcase, there are very few opportunities for us to blindly recruit because we have so much interest prior to the tournament and we want to do those individuals justice and service because they have shown an interest in our university. If, if we see a player, we will contact a player that, We've, we've just seen and they haven't contacted us. But that is usually just by pure luck, that we happen to be watching a game with somebody else who's written to us and we like player B maybe uh, instead of player A and then we'll reach out to player B. But that is a bad way to, you know, like just hoping that coaches are gonna show up at your field and see you is a bad way to try to get recruited. It's really important to be proactive and reach out to coaches prior to events. Yeah. I think a lot of kids think that they're just going to go. Right I know, and a lot of kids think that they're going to get seen in their high school environments, and that's probably not the case, unless it's a state championship game or something like that. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not railing on high school soccer. That's just, you know, if you think about volume and efficiency, it's not efficient to go out and watch one-off high school games, unless we know very specifically that there's somebody we need to see. Just like they were saying earlier from a game schedule specifics, always being consistent and giving us those, you know, reminders of I'm going to be here or this game's going on. When you know you have that consistently coming from one kid five, six, seven times a year, then you're definitely going to go make a point to see that kid, like you were saying, versus the kid that never contacted you. Last question. You got to get up, right? Yeah. Last question. Um, how far usually do you travel for showcases? So sometimes I know like clubs have showcases like cross country and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, I mean, majority of our recruiting will be at a mid-Atlantic base. You know, we're a state school, but uh, I mean, you were just in Phoenix, or was Kyle? Were you there too? Yeah, we're we'll, supposed to be in Phoenix. Kyle's in Las Vegas right now. So. Yeah, uh, he's in Vegas. So we'll go to San Diego, you know, for a big event. I mean, absolutely, we'll go wherever. I mean, you're going to go international. You know, there's definitely. You got, we live, you say the, your phrasing about, you know, leave no stone unturned. I mean, we'll go wherever it takes to find some good players for sure. I mean, the, the, the general um, college research, take athletics out of it, is that most people go sort of within three or three and a half hours of home. And so that is largely where most of us are looking. So anything within kind of a three hour radius showcase wise, we're almost certainly gonna hit if it fits the schedule. Um, certain leagues obviously play at a really high level. We're, we're going to be at a lot of those showcases. Um, you know, Justin mentioned ECNL South Carolina. 
There was an MLS Next Fest in Phoenix right after that. This weekend is ECNL Las Vegas. There's an ECNL Florida at the very beginning of February. So those are our big showcases that we'll attend. But in large part, it's because a lot of the teams that are kind of within that three-hour radius that I just mentioned will be playing at those events. And it's an opportunity for us to see them maybe against teams from different parts of the country and so forth. We're, it's not like we are going to California to try to find West Coast guys. It's, it's not really like that. Um, so. We all have our own niche, yeah. right? Academic niche. Uh, you know, we're state school. Uh, usually it's cheaper for Virginia kids, you know. Uh, uh, the academic side of things, the travel side of things, you know. So we went down to South Carolina, we registered for the tournament, and we were hitting all the Virginia teams, but we got emails, you know, like the two Penn Fusion boys over here wrote us. I might not have gone to their game at all, but I was like, I gotta go watch, you know, Nick and Lucas play. They wrote us, they've been good in the, recru in the recruiting process, so we'll also go watch them. So even, we didn't go to MLS next, but if I did, I would've been watching Virginia teams, plus whoever's really writing me that I, like we did that in South Carolina with this Michigan kid. You know, I was like, oh wow, okay, I'll go watch you play, get some eyes on you for a few minutes and see if I'm gonna stay for the whole game. So we'll, we'll travel anywhere, but it'll still be within our, our niche probably. Unless we get like North Star Mount Lucky and some kid just jumps off the page for us and we just happen to be there. Okay, well look, it's it's 2.30 now. Let's head on back over. It's 2.30, right? We want to yeah. stop too. Yeah. So let's head back over. Uh, Put your penny on, get on the field, and uh, Coach Haggerty will get you going. Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com slash matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on matchplayrecruit.com for our social media links. See you on the trail.